Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are not a distant God, but that you are a relational God. Thank you that we can speak to you, and thank you that you speak to us through your word. Father, we pray that this morning as we are reading through and looking at Hebrews chapter 13, uh, that you would be challenging us, growing us in our knowledge, our trust and obedience of you, Lord, and shaping us to be your people. I pray that you'd be with Mike as he preaches through your word, give him wisdom and clarity of thought as he goes about proclaiming the truths that are revealed in Scripture, Lord. Father, we thank you for this time. Amen. Good morning. Uh, The reading is from uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 to 21. Um, Hopefully the marker in your Bible will be in the right spot, um, but if not, it's page 1214. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated, as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside of the city gate, to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their works will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honourably in every way. 
I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning again. Been in Namibia the last few years. Good morning again. Good morning. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get you to do any amens or anything as we go through, don't worry. Uh, it's a, it is a privilege to be here, and when uh, Mark Peterson rang me on Friday, um, I was very sad uh, that he's not well. Please do keep praying for him and for Charlie. They really have not been uh, well this week. Uh, but it is a privilege uh, to open God's Word uh, with you this morning. Uh, as I like to tell my students uh, in Namibia, uh, they don't need to hear from me. Just like today, you don't need to hear from me. What we all need is we all need to hear God speak to us through His Word. So can I encourage you to keep uh, your Bibles or your devices turned to Hebrews chapter 13 as we go through because I, I want us to see what God is saying to us today from there. Uh, but as we begin, uh, there's an outline of where we're headed in the uh, bulletin, if you find that helpful. If you don't find it helpful, obviously, just ignore it. Uh, but what will be helpful is if the Lord himself helps us today. So will you pray with me that he would be speaking to us from his word? Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, uh, we praise you and thank you for your kindness to us. Uh, thank you that you are a speaking God and that your word is powerful and effective. Uh, Lord, speak to us today, we pray, uh, through your word, in the power of your spirit, that we might know you more, that we might live for you, and that we might have great confidence in your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me see if this is working. It is working. Great. Well, one of the saddest things that we saw when we were in Namibia uh, was people falling away from Christ. It's a, a lot of people are nominally Christian in Namibia, but we actually saw quite a number who decided to turn away from Jesus. One of the saddest cases of all that we saw was with a man that we're going to call Pastor Manasseh. Now, I'm not going to point out Manasseh to you, it's not his real name, uh, but he is in this photo from our college uh, in 2017. Now, uh, Pastor Manasseh was a, culturally, he was a Herero man. And so like most Herero men, uh, he grew up thinking that Christians and Christianity was weak and evil. See, he wanted to be a real African man. He wanted to be a strong Herero man who had nothing to do with this foreign religion. So when he was at high school, 
he sought out the best witch doctors that he could find, and he paid them a lot of money to put curses and spells and to give him amulets and things to make him a strong and powerful and successful Herero man. But over time, he says he saw things that began to scare him. He said he always believed that the power he was seeking was coming from the ancestors and from what he thought were evil spirits. But then he started seeing things that terrified him and he was fearful for his life. And so in his final year at high school, one of his fellow students told him about Jesus, how Jesus had conquered the evil one, and Manasseh turned in faith to Jesus. He put his trust in Jesus to save him from evil. And I've got to say, uh, on the face of it, Manasseh would have been a perfect convert, the kind of convert that missionaries love to write about in their prayer letters home. Okay? He was a, a charismatic man. Everyone loved him. He was soon uh, made an assistant minister, then the senior minister at a large Pentecostal church. He was given a full scholarship to come and study at our Bible college nets. He was a much-loved student. But when he finished his studies at nets, he decided that, like most Herero men, he wanted to build up a small herd of cattle. He wanted to breed cattle, he wanted to run a small farm in the family village, ostensibly so that he could support his family in ministry. But also, there's kind of a pride element to it being a Herero man, that the more cattle you have, the more honour you have in your community. The only thing is that when Manasseh became a Christian and he turned his back on his culture and his people and their religious practices, his family and his community rejected him. In fact, they despised him for rejecting Herero culture. Worst of all, uh, he married a girl who wasn't a Herero, and so he brought great shame on his family. And so here Manasseh is, successful Christian leader, moving back into a community that hated him for what he had done. Now increasingly Manasseh found it unbearable to keep carrying this rejection and this shame that his community was putting on him, and so he tried to just keep fitting back in to his culture more and more. He stopped visiting his family in the capital, Vintuk. He started drinking with the other Herero cattlemen. And then when a local Herero woman came to seek from him what she regarded as her Herero rights, he started a sexual relationship with her and then he was welcomed back into the Herero community. Now, I've got to say, life is hard for Herero believers in Namibia. The ethics and the expectations of their community are extreme. Uh, culturally, 
A Herero woman can demand sex from any of her male cousins uh, as, in order to keep the family lines going. And a single woman with many children outside of marriage is seen as a good thing because she's clearly a, of good breeding stock. She's good for the Herero community. That makes her more valuable. What's more, witchcraft and ancestor worship are central to all of the community's rituals. See, Manasseh had turned his back on all that when he decided to follow Jesus. But his community despised him for doing it, and so he was rejected by them. And ultimately, his desire to be welcomed back into his community meant that he had to turn his back on Jesus and walk away from faith. See, the letter to the Hebrews is written to people just like Pastor Manasseh. It's written to people like him, like students in Southern Africa, like, actually like you or me. It's written to people who were suddenly finding it hard to be rejected and to be put out of their religious communities because they were following Jesus. For them, they had turned their back on the temple worship in Jerusalem from their Jewish traditions, and now they were being pushed out of their community and rejected because they had turned to Christ. See, it's like they and Pastor Manasseh were living with what we might call buyer's regret. You know, Manasseh had turned to Jesus thinking it would make his life better and safer, but there was a cost that he wasn't really willing to live with. It's kind of like you see an advert on television for the, uh, the iPhone 58X RS, whatever it is now, and you go, oh, if I, if I had that, Oh, geez, that, that might make my life a little bit better. Or you think, oh, my old car is just hard to start in the morning. Maybe if I got that new car, that I, maybe then, you know, my life will be better and easier and safer. And what happens? You, you get the iPhone X, whatever it is, and, the, and you get it and you realise what? Oh, actually, life's not any different. You're now just a lot poorer, okay? It's like that with Manasseh. He turned to Christ thinking it would make his life successful and good and easy, but it was actually hard, and he regretted that. See, Hebrews is written to people like that, like us, for whom following Jesus isn't always turning out like we might want it to be. See, as we look at the letter to Hebrews chapter 13, we see that the church right throughout the world is always going to have to wrestle with the same kind of challenges that Pastor Manasseh was struggling with. So the first thing I want us to see here in chapter 13 is that the future of gospel mission is always going to involve a costly love. See, gospel mission in Africa and in South Australia, it necessarily involves a costly love. But it's a love that's costly, not only in that we're to love like Jesus in a costly way. Now, more than that, we're called to love Jesus no matter what the 
cost is to us as part of our communities. So you look with me from verses 1 to 3. It says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Uh, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Uh, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Can you see how that the, the love there becomes more and more costly as you move from verse 1 to verse 3? Like, is it easy to love one another at church? Duncan's there. The correct answer is yes, it's easy. Oh, it's not always easy, though, is it? We do need to be reminded to keep loving one another as brothers and sisters. But we kind of know that that's good, okay? Uh, verse 2, uh, don't forget to love outsiders. Okay, is, is that easier or harder? Just a bit harder, isn't it? Okay, because they're different to us. They're not like us, but we still need to... Verse 3, uh, remember prisoners and outcasts as if you were suffering with them. Ah, oh, it's a bit more of a cost there, isn't there? Like ever, what's your first reaction when you're at school or university or work or just down the street and you see someone being teased or criticised for being a Christian? What's our response? Oh, glad it's not me. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be with them and be willing to bear that with them. Okay? It's a costly love. See, this is not what the world's love looks like, isn't it? This is the opposite. And this is one of the keys to mission in chapter 13 here. The mission of the church is to make disciples who love like Jesus loves in a cross-shaped, costly way. But also the mission of the church is to make disciples who love Jesus, even though the world isn't always going to like it. In fact, often the world won't like it and will be treated as outcasts. Now, why would the world not like Christian love? Like, aren't we continually told that love is love? Well, look here uh, in verses 4 to 5. Here we see that loving like Jesus looks like holy love, a holy attitude to things like sex and money. Look at verse 4, it says, Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. See, Christian love is the opposite of worldly love. It's not about lusting after what you don't have. It's about being content with what you do have in Christ. See, it's not about being content with your old phone or your old car. It's about being content with what you have in Christ. Because our stuff can never give us contentment. Now, actually, in chapters 1 to 12 of Hebrews, to this point, the writer's been going to great efforts to show that all that we have in Christ, we've come to the heavenly worship. 
We've come to the living God. We've come to Jesus, who is the perfect mediator between us and God. We've received an eternal, unshakable kingdom. And so we can be content with what we have in Jesus. And so verse 5, look at there, says, how can we be content? It says, verse 5, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Verse 6, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? What can mere mortals do to you? Can mere mortals steal your old iPhone just as easy as they can steal your new iPhone? Of course they can. And in Namibia, doesn't matter what your phone is, someone would very happily steal it, and because they'll, all they'll do is they'll just sell it for a packet of cigarettes. Okay, it doesn't matter what it is. Mere mortals can do that. Uh, last weekend, uh, where we're living, uh, someone stole a bicycle that we had chained up in our front porch area. Wasn't actually worth a whole lot, but probably was worth a pack of cigarettes. Okay? See, can, can mere mortals steal stuff from us? Yes, so we, we can't be content in that. Can mere humans mock us? Anyone ever mocked you for being a follower of Jesus? Yeah, it can happen. Can Herero culture give you a hard time and reject you for following Jesus? Yeah, it will. It just will. Can Australian culture reject you for following Jesus? Yeah, it can and it will and I think increasingly so. But can mere mortals separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus? No. No. Can they rob you of your internal inheritance? No. So we can be content with what we have in Jesus as we seek to love like him and to love him even when the world gives us a hard time for it. So the future of gospel mission must always involve discipling people so that they love others in a costly way, like Jesus loves them, but more than that, disciple them so that they love Jesus even when the world rejects them for doing so. But we do this remembering that Christ will never leave us nor forsake us. Second thing, the last thing I really want to say from chapter 13 here, is that the future of mission, gospel mission, both in Africa and in Australia and everywhere, it's about making disciples who not only love Jesus no matter what, but disciples who don't get carried away by what the world tells them they should be doing. They love Jesus and they don't get carried away from Jesus by how the world says they should practice their beliefs or conduct their lives. Now, in verses 7 to 17, it's kind of a bit odd. There's a lot of strange things here that would make perfect sense to the first readers who have been cut off from the temple rituals in Jerusalem. But for us, I don't want to go through all that. I just want to focus on a play on words here that shows us that 
either you will be carried away from Jesus or you will carry yourself to Jesus. That's the essential idea that comes from verses 7 to 17. Either you will be carried away from Jesus by what the world says, or you will carry yourself to Jesus in worship and in a way that brings him glory. Now, 7 to 17 is framed around two two injunctions for how you should treat your leaders. So verse 7, remember your leaders. Verse 17, obey your leaders. But within that section, there are four times this whole idea of carrying something comes up. Okay? So verse 7 says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, as an aside, when do you know what the outcome of a running race is? At the end, uh, anyone watch the, uh, the Giants versus Collingwood game yesterday? Anyone? When did we know the outcome of that game? At the buzzer. It went right down to the buzzer. It was a great game. Same thing here. Uh, when do you know the outcome of the leader's way of life? Well, I think the idea is here is that this is the first generation of apostles that proclaimed the gospel live faithfully cross-shaped lives and died for it. So they're being told to consider the outcome of their life, which is why I think verse 8 launches straight in. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What was the outcome of Jesus' faith? The cross to the resurrection. What was the outcome of their leader's faith? Christ-honouring life, rejection, and a Christ-honouring death. So then verse 9 says, remembering them, it tells us to, to not do something. What does verse 9 say that we shouldn't do? It says, don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings, but rather be strengthened by what? Strengthened by grace. See, part of the problem here is that the community of Hebrews were being cut off from their family and from their rituals and from doing things as life together and they felt kind of like that part of their identity was that they needed to be back doing those things just like Manasseh. But he says, no, 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 be strengthened by grace. Don't be carried away by all those strange different kind of teachings, okay? Verse 11, you get the second uh, idea of carrying something. Who does the carrying here? The high priest. It says the high priest carried the blood of animals into the sanctuary, but the bodies were burnt outside the camp. The whole idea is, don't worry about what other people are saying. Don't be carried away by that. Don't worry about what the high priest was carrying, okay? Because the bodies themselves were burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make us holy let us go to him outside, therefore, let us go to him outside the camp doing what? Bearing, literally, it's carrying the disgrace that he bore. Okay? See, so don't be carried away by strange teachings, what the world tells you. Don't be carried away by what your, what your community thinks is acceptable religious practice. Rather, go to Jesus carrying the disgrace and the rejection, the same 
rejection that Jesus bore. And ironically, verse 15, through Jesus, let us continually offer up, guess what word is literally behind that in the Greek? Carry. Let, let us carry up to God a sacrifice of praise. Can you see what's happening here? We're being told that the world will reject us. We need to love Jesus in a costly way, even when the world does reject us. But when the world does reject us, what do we do with that? We carry it to Jesus as an act of praise and worship. It's like the world will throw mud and dirt at you, and you will be tempted to try and flee from that back into acceptable society. But here we're told, no, 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 no. Just when they throw that, you just carry it to Jesus as an act of worship. It's like they throw dirt at you, you carry it to Jesus, and he accepts it as an offering of gold, pleasing to him. Okay? The goal of mission must always be to make disciples that are not carried away by what the world tells us we should be doing, but rather who worship Jesus with our lives carrying whatever the world throws at us as an act of worship to him. I've got to say, too much of the church life that we saw in Namibia looks like this. It looks like believers following church leaders who themselves have been carried away by strange ideas about success and wealth and power. So there are Christians following leaders who are poorly trained, who don't understand the gospel, who don't want to bear the rejection of the world, and they think that the world should thank them, but when life gets hard and people are rejected for following Jesus, when life doesn't turn out like their leaders have promised, they turn away from Jesus and leave the faith. See, a great work of evangelism has been done on the continent of Africa. 58% of people in sub-Saharan Africa identify as believers. There are many believers in Africa, but we didn't see many mature disciples who are willing to love Jesus with a costly love in worship of him. So the future hope of mission in Africa is the same as the future hope of mission in Australia. The church needs to remember leaders and follow leaders who are well-trained and who are willing to lead their churches to Jesus even when things get hard. Now, I started with a pretty depressing story. Sorry about that. But the truth is, lots of the students that we came across in Namibia struggle with exactly the same kind of challenges that Manasseh faced. Although I've got to say, most of them didn't stumble like Manasseh did. In this same picture from before, I want to introduce you to another one of our former students, uh, Anton. Here he is. 
uh, Anton's former student and actually now one of our dear friends. Anton was actually in a church ministry for 12 years before he came to Bible college. For 12 years, Anton led a prosperity gospel church in the poor, informal parts of the capital, Vintook. Uh, he regularly promised everyone uh, success and wealth and blessing and divine favour just so long as they gave him money. And the, that church grew and flourished, and there were many sincere believers in that church who were led astray and fell from Christ. Eventually, as Anton kept reading the Bible for himself, he was convicted that what he was doing and the gospel that he was preaching was wrong. So he quietly resigned from the church and he respectfully told his senior pastor why he was leaving. And from that point, Anton's boss publicly rejected him, declared to his former church that God has put a curse on Anton so that they must, they must have nothing to do with him anymore. Anton lost lots of friends when he came to study at our Bible college. He said he would regularly have people come up to him in the streets of Katachira uh, here, telling him that they are watching him to see how he's going to fall. And unless he turns away, he's going to be crushed by God. Anton uh, finished his studies with straight distinctions. He just loves God's word and just is in love with Jesus. He's in love with the gospel of grace. He couldn't get enough of it. But after four years at Nets, do you think he could get a job anywhere in Vintook? No. So for 18 months, he still had people coming up to him in the street saying, See, we were right. God has cursed you to come back to us. We'll welcome you back if you just turn away from this Bible stuff. Do you know what Anton did? He just kept loving them, even when they rejected him. He just kept loving Jesus, even when he would sometimes just find the rejection hard. But he'd just carry that to Jesus and pray that Jesus would work in the lives of people in Namibia, that they would find salvation and hope and peace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. On our last day at Nets, Anton came and told us that he's just been appointed as a senior minister of a new gospel-centred Pentecostal church plant in the capital of Intook. And we cried with tears of delight. Why? Because Anton loves Jesus even when it's hard. And Anton is the kind of leader who will lead his people to faithfully trust and love Jesus no matter what the world around them tells them to do. Please pray for Anton that the Lord would sustain him as he has been sustaining him. Friends, the future of gospel mission in Africa is the same 
as the future hope of gospel mission here in Australia. The church needs well-trained leaders who won't be carried away by what the world tells them. The church needs mature leaders who are willing to carry the same kind of rejection that Jesus bore and to lead their churches to do the same with great joy and with great peace. See, if we want to reach Victor Harbour and Adelaide and Australia with the gospel, we have to be ready to love in a costly way. Keep loving those outside the church, even when it's hard. Keep loving Jesus, even when people will give us a hard time for doing it. We have to make sure that we're not carried away by what the world tells us, but rather we keep carrying that rejection to Jesus as an act of worship and love. We need to keep trusting Jesus that he will build his church and he will grow mature disciples who follow him as we ourselves trust and follow him. Can I encourage you to do that, to be that, and to know that same hope and peace in the midst of all you do here in Victor Harbour? And pray for Anton and pray for us that we can just keep loving Jesus no matter what. Let's pray. Loving Father, thank you that, that your kingdom is not of this world. Lord, we confess that so often we just want, we want our faith to make everything easier for us. We want a more successful life here. But Lord, we know that your kingdom's not of this world. Now you call us to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. Thank you that Jesus is trustworthy. Thank you that you will never leave us and never forsake us. Thank you that we have more than all this world can offer us now. For we have come to you, the living God. You have purchased our salvation for us. And so we are yours forever. Lord, we want more people in this community here. We want the world to know Jesus. So help us to love Jesus, no matter what. We pray that you would give us your joy in following him. Amen.